This is Indivisible Westchester, the podcast. I'm Shannon Powell. I'm Amy Gross. And I'm Barry Grobart. All right, thank you guys for joining us today. We're talking about gun violence prevention. You both are very involved with this issue. Tell me how and why you both got involved. Uh, So for me, you know, gun violence, unfortunately, was something that was part of my history in life, which I didn't realize until later and and sort of look back. But I had been a supporter of gun reform for quite a while. I funded, you used to send money to Brady. Um, After a while, that wasn't doing anything, and it seemed to be a back burner issue. When Moms Demand Action got formed, I got more involved. Later, it sort of, I connected it back to a friend, a college friend who took his own life suicide by gun shortly after college, uh, and a childhood friend who later became an NYPD officer and took his own life with his uh, service revolver. So it, it really does permeate everybody's life, and, and it, so it's become a real factor for me. For me, um, it, it wasn't personal like that, Barry. It became more personal for me when Sandy Hook happened, and there were innocent children who were lost and killed and with my kids were the same age at the time and that made a really you know personal impact on me it finally hit home so um i found shannon watts um online the mom's demand action that she started i was donating money and then in 2016 after the election um when i helped get indivisible westchester started and got politically active for the first time in my life that was um that was when actually um mom's demand action reached out to iw and said how can we partner together and i said wow this is already something i'm interested in I had already started to do some of that work for IW, um, so it was like the perfect partnership, and I got very involved in moms at that time, um, doing more of their legislation activism. So Barry, explain to us what you do with Moms Demand Action. Sure. So uh, I guess the long-winded uh, title, I am, <laughs> so, uh, I am a deputy chapter leader for advocacy for the New York State chapter. So we're, organi- we're a national organization. We're organized into 50 state chapters. I'm part of the New York chapter, and I lead advocacy for the state. So that's both uh, legislative strategy and election strategy. So let's break this down by the numbers. Let's talk about gun violence by the numbers. What are they? Sure. Are so, so every day in America, on average, 106 people die from gun violence. Uh, about two-thirds of that is suicide by gun. As I mentioned, twice in my life, uh, I've, I've had people I've known who've taken their own life because guns are readily available. One thing people don't think about is... Suicide by gun is very effective. It's successful about 95% of the time, where suicide by other methods uh, usually is successful 10 or 15% of the time. So uh, it drives quite a bit. So you've got a a lot of suicide by gun. Uh, The other thing that's the major one is domestic violence, where we look at at gun access, uh, and it's in every community. This is not uh, just, you know, certain communities. Right, because I think it's these mass shootings that get all the attention, but the re- the reality is this is something that's happening every day in every community everywhere. They are, yeah. You're going to get, you know, five Parklands every single day in terms of the number of deaths. And, and that's not, the, the mass shootings are horrific, and, and the school shootings are, the trauma they cause is, is horrific. Um, but, but we look at the everyday gun violence, uh, city gun violence that, that's caused uh, by just ready access to these weapons. And I know you just got a humanitarian award, correct, for your work in um, the wake of the death of 
13-year-old Shamoya McKenzie of Mount Vernon. That's a tragic story. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So Shamoya, um, she was a 13-year-old scholar athlete. She was a great student and an amazing basketball player, lived right here in Mount Vernon. Um, and, you know, she was skilled enough at basketball that the Yukon Huskies, Lady Huskies, knew who she were. She wow. was on their radar at 13. She was playing with older boys in some of these travel leagues uh, because she had outperformed the girls. That's amazing. And it was New Year's Eve uh, two and a half years ago, and she was uh, in a car with her mom. And coming home from basketball practice, yeah, coming as a home, matter of fact. Exactly, coming home from basketball practice uh, when there was uh, shooting in the street, and she was in an intersection in the car, and a bullet came and took her life. So we were at... They, they, her mom has formed a foundation, the Shamoya McKenzie Foundation, and they have an annual fundraiser gala, which this year was really supposed to be celebrating her Sweet Sixteen, wow. and it's tragic. It's just you know I remember my own my daughter's Sweet Sixteen, so to be there, uh, and that's why we do this. That's what, what we're yeah. fighting for. Uh, is nobody should we shouldn't have that kind of violence. No. No, and that's tragic. I mean, my daughter just had her Sweet Sixteen, and I can't even begin to imagine you know the heartbreak. That these parents must feel. I mean, it's it's horrible. The good news on the gun violence front, though, is that we're winning. Actually, in in getting ready for this podcast, I was looking at some old video, and it was a rally that we co-sponsored after the shooting in Florida, um, the high school shooting in Florida. So it was February of what 2017, mm-hmm. and the chants. And look at what was happening on the political front then and now. Let's talk about the difference. Sure. So we we are winning at certain levels. And, you know, people, there's, you know, it's frustrating sometimes. I listen to uh, the mainstream media, uh, not naming Chris Matthews here, um, who was talking about, well, you know, these people can't stand up to the gun lobby. And and I read, uh, there was a book, uh, Rick Wilson wrote a book and said, well, you know, these moms groups are, you know, they're doing good things, but they, they don't send, they don't show up where, where the NRA does. And that's completely false. No, you guys are everywhere. That, that's the narrative from 2013 or 2012. Right. Um, first of all, in terms of showing up, you go to a typical committee meeting, a state house committee meeting on a gun violence, you will see a paid lobbyist in a suit from the NRA. Uh-huh. You will generally see 10s, 20s, 30, 40 Moms demand action volunteers in red shirts. And that sent in a huge message because, yes, the NRA can deliver money, but when we see what happened in, in 2018 in Virginia and in, across the country, we're seeing that moms volunteers are delivering votes. They're the ones knocking on doors uh, and canvassing. They're so, also starting to run for office, too. We are. We, we saw over 50, 50 women, uh, 50 moms volunteers last mm-hmm. year. We've got, we'll have well over 100 in 2020. There's some running. Uh, uh, right now, 2019, here in New York, there are three people I know who are part of my community who are uh, who are candidates. That's but we'll, great. when we go head to head against the NRA in the state level, um, we win 95 percent of the time. And when I say when we go, every gun violence bill, we are head to head against the NRA, and but we are you don't winning. Know, but you don't always hear about that yeah. in the news. You know, we're having a lot of these smaller victories. I mean, look at New York, right? I mean, yeah, you, we'll actually, get into you, that in a couple of minutes, <laughs> I think. But <laughs> yeah. you got a lot to talk about. There. But even across the country, you know, we're, we have a lot of these. Where we're able to block legislation that um, the uh, NRA is supporting. And you don't hear about that. Yeah, the open carry laws, the the permitless carry laws, the campus carry law. Think for a minute of all those concepts. I've got a daughter in college. Right. We all, like, we don't, 
I, I was a bartender in college. It was not a single moment that I ever said, boy, this would just go better if these guys had guns. Right, right. But, right. but that's the NRA's whole policy has been guns everywhere. And, and, and there were fewer people owning guns than there were, you know, 50 years ago when, when people lived in more rural communities, everybody had a gun. They had one, a rifle or something in the house. I think 50% of homeowners owned, owned some form of, of a gun. Now that number's down below 30%, but the ones who own them very often are owning 6, 10, 12, 15, 20 guns. And that's what they're focused on is how do, how do they get, you know, they want, you know, pink AR-15s to appeal, uh, which my feminist daughter would be completely objectionable that you're going <laughs> to pitch her with pink. But, right, right. Um, but the whole idea is get, get children to want to have guns and then get them on campus and such. Right. But we're blocking those. We, we've, we defeat them all the time. Some slip through and they're horrible, but we... We are winning state by state. You know, we very much follow, if you think about the the, uh, same-sex marriage, Mm. how that happened. It wasn't that, you know, one day the Supreme Court ruled. Uh, You know, we can remember in the early 2000s, they would, the, the conservatives who put that on the ballot to drive oh, the evangelical vote. That, right? that was the 2000 election right Yeah, there. Go, go go get turnout. Yeah. Say, you know, gays are going to get married and, you know, your marriage might break up because you might suddenly find you're gay because this this cool new marriage thing. Right. You know, it's not really how it works. But what we did is they started to change hearts and minds. And, and we're, and they went state by state by state to progressive states at first and pass these laws so everybody could say, yeah, that's not such a big, scary thing. Yeah. And we've done that where we're passing, we're, we're succeeding at the state level. So let's talk about New York. What are we doing? Because there have been some amazing things that have been accomplished here in New York. So what has been accomplished? Sure. So we passed nine gun laws in 2019, gun wow. reform laws, um, which was amazing. I, I think, you know, New York was an early leader. Amy, you mentioned getting involved after Sandy Hook. Mm-hmm. Um, right after Sandy Hook, New York passed the SAFE Act. The we Safe were the Act, first right. state to really jump out there. And some of the upstate legislators who voted for that lost their seats. And suddenly, um, no pun intended, there was a lot, everybody got gun shy. Nobody wanted to touch these bills in New York. So between the mm-hmm. SAFE Act and 2019, not a single gun reform bill was voted on in the floor of the Senate. Right. Um, so in 2018, we oh, went and flipped happened. the Senate, right? <laughs> and it started in June when, you know, IDC members, so we had the, the IDC, the Independent Democrats, mm-hmm. uh, you can't see my air quotes when I, yes, when yes. I call them Democrats on, <laughs> on the podcast, but they are right, there. Right. Yep. Uh, and Jeff Klein was the, who, who was the leader of the IDC had been the, the sponsor, lead sponsor of the SAFE Act. Uh-huh. And, but... You know, we when we talked to him, he's oh yeah, I love what you guys do. I'm it's supporting. Great. I said, yeah, right, but you're not yeah. letting any of our bills get to the floor for a vote. So, you know, if, if you love what we do, go vote for you know the Andrea Stewart Cousins as our majority leader, and then I'll, I'll support you. Right. Um, and they wouldn't. So we worked. I did a lot of work. Uh, volunteers in Westchester did a lot of work on the Alessandro Biagi campaign. Mm-hmm. We fl- you know we, we flipped those IDC seats, Huge and that difference. started it. Right. And then in November, when we took nine seats. That changed everything, and the, the minority, the then minority leader, Andrea Stewart, cousin, had promised us, you know, get me my votes, and you'll get your bills, and and she delivered. You know, within the first sixty days, we had several bills. So, ERPO, the Extreme Risk Protective Orders, big bills. You, you mentioned domestic violence, Amy, and it's, you know, picture you are, you might be able to get uh, a protective order that this this man has threatened you, um, and you tell the judge and the police, and he owns guns, and the police shrug because. There's nothing they can do about those guns un- until he uses them. 
Yeah, and, um, the, and those laws are working. It was just in the news that the first one in New York, I think, mm-hmm. was in Troy. Yeah. Right? So it's working. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that law yeah. is helping get guns out of the hands of people who really shouldn't have them. Yeah, right? and who are a threat to themselves or others. Again, exactly. suicide, domestic violence, you're, you're going to see those come in. Um, Effective background checks. So this was, there's a thing called the Charleston loophole, which uh, was named after uh, Mother Emanuel Church shooting in Charleston, mm-hmm. where the gun, where the, where the shooter should never have been able to get a gun. But because the background check did not come back within three days, the way the law was written, the carve out, uh, one of the carve outs that they, uh, that the other side got on the Brady Bill and, and the background check law was that if you cannot deliver a positive or negative answer within 72 hours, the store is allowed to sell the gun, which makes no, no sense. sense. <laughs> because the only oh, well. reason the only reason you couldn't get an answer in 72 hours is there's something there. Yeah, there's something that we need to get. In, we need to speak with the sheriff in that local county or whatever. Exactly. So, so that bill, so the Charleston loophole is what what allowed him, the shooter there, to be able to get that gun. Um, we asked for that to be extended to 10 days and instead of three. Right? And they gave us 30. Wow. And I, I reached out, I texted uh, Reverend Sharon Risher, who's a friend of mine, whose mom was the matriarch at Mother Emanuel. Uh, so her mom was the first one killed at that church. And oh. she also had two childhood friends who were killed in that shooting. Oh. And I, I, I messaged her and said, Sharon, guess what? You know, we asked for 10 days. They said no. And I said, dot, dot. I said, they gave us 30. Um, you know, really, and yeah. it really did well. We, and just to quickly, we, we, we got our bump stock ban, uh, preventing the arming of teachers, which has not been an issue in downstate, but in upstate there was a lot of push for that. That's off the table. You cannot arm our teachers. Uh, our teachers are educators. They are not prepared to go in and shoot their own students if need be. So we got that. Uh, we set standards for gun buybacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we in- got a provision to include out-of-state mental health records for those who are applying for um, out-of-state gun permits. Uh, we got a safe storage law, which we've had here in Westchester for quite a while, uh, but now it's national, which again keeps guns away from, I mentioned, my, my college friend Gary, uh, his dad's gun was in his desk drawer, okay. uh, and Gary had access to it. If that was locked up, uh, and then, you know, they lowered the threshold for hunting while intoxicated. Mm. And the last thing they did, and they went, we, we went there weeks before the close, they said, we don't have enough time. And they did it, was banning, it, it was focusing on ghost guns, basically unlicensed, un, un, oh, guns, sure. guns with, with, that cannot be tracked. So oh. they, they did the first part of that, where they're uh, banning 3D printed guns in New York. So it's been an incredible incredible year we have more coming but i was gonna say so what's next so i mean you never stop i mean that's the thing with with being yeah there's still there's people stuff to do yeah we 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 several weeks ago in seven days there were seven people shot and killed in jamaica queens where i went to high wow. school um including the nephew of a woman i know um so no we don't stop right there's always more we can be doing with the ghost gun provision, there were sort of two parts to it. One was these 3D printed guns, but there's also what's called an unfinished receiver. You can sell a gun that's about 85% ready, uh-huh. and you just need to buy a few parts and download some specs off the internet, and you can finish that gun. Um, but it's not considered a gun when it's sold at 85% complete. So we're looking to, to do the other part on the ghost guns to, to tackle the unfinished receivers. The other area we're going to focus on, and we're still, I don't i don't pretend that we have our 2020, uh, I'm getting calls for, from state senators. I got accosted by uh, Senator Anna Kaplan on Long Island a couple uh-huh. of weeks ago at an event. She's like, 
I want to talk to you about what you're doing for 2020. I'm like, I don't know <laughs> don't, yet. But, don't rush but, me. <laughs> but I'm so thrilled that instead of running away from us, you guys are now calling and saying, how can we help? That's but great. but one of the other things is we need to work on implementation. ERPO is a sure. complex bill. How do you educate all of the, the shelters and organizations that help domestic violence victims, that help suicide victims, um, that help you know law enforcement. How do you how do you educate them all to facilitate that process right. and to make it easier? So there's a lot we want to work to make sure the laws we've just passed are implemented. Yeah, I want I want to add to that because you mentioned your friend Gary and I mentioned how the ERPA law is actually working. That was a man who had fired a gun, but then had said he was suicidal. Right, and so that's why his guns were actually taken away right now to keep him safe yeah. and keep yeah. people around him safe. And it is Suicide Prevention Month in September, so yes. I just want to, you know, mention that that you know this is an important mental health issue. Um, it's related to gun violence, and um, I'm glad that they have attention to this matter now, and that those people will get the help they need. Yeah. Their lives will likely be saved, as will people around them. I, you know, every single day. So, you know, the the thing I've, through work, my work in Moms Demand Action, I've, I've gotten to know um, literally hundreds of gun violence survivors, um, you know, hugged them, cried with them, heard heard their stories. And, and, and over and over, it's suicide. My friend Zoe, who's in South Seattle, and her daughter, who had always had some challenges, some mental illnesses, and, and always fought her demons, um, she was 27 years old and she was able to walk into a pawn shop and just buy a gun and took her own life. And, and it's over and over and over. And it's, it just shouldn't be that easy. We, we can, you know, there are a lot of things we can do to solve, and, and you know, mental illness and to, to reduce it. But the reality is, all, if we can just reduce the access to guns, all of these people would have a chance to go and recover and to go through uh, whatever it takes to get their life going. And, and it's... You know. So what about federally? Like, how do you, I mean, there's a lot, like, say, for example, with businesses coming out and really being aggressive. I'd like to talk about that because that's like a whole nother um, development on the gun violence prevention front. Sure. That they're kind of, you know, some of these, some of these businesses are taking the lead on, look, we'd like to see these laws implemented. That's huge. And I, I mentioned same-sex marriage earlier, and, and I think we, we, sort of look at it's changing hearts and minds right um the same thing i i, I was a smoker i started smoking cigarettes when i was 12 and wow. pack, <laughs> pack, a, day, pack a day till i was in my early, you know 30 31 32 somewhere in there um and yeah I mean, I, and a funny thing i was probably 25 how old was i when my father passed away and i was taking my mother home from the hospital we get out of the car and i lit a cigarette and she's like since when do you smoke i'm like really oh my God. I come home reeking of cigarettes like for, but anyway, I quit when I was, I think, 31 or 32. And not because I, it was suddenly, oh, my health, you know, because you still feel invincible in your 30s. Um, but it was because I, it was, you, you became a social outcast. Like, I literally had someone who I had, you know, been introduced to a woman. I was single then. Uh, and, you know, said, it was like, what'd you think? What, oh, I really liked her. And, and she, she came back to me. She goes, you know, she thinks you're cute, but she wouldn't date a smoker. And I'm like, you know, oh, God, I really have. So how do we change hearts and minds to sort of make it socially unacceptable mm -hmm. to have guns? The NRA has been trying to make it socially acceptable. The whole idea of open carry is to make people see people with guns all the time and think this is normal. It's not normal. Right. So we have used the economics. I mentioned the 10-day waiting period, the 3-day waiting period. 
Walmart, several years ago, we approached them and said, you have the right to sell after three days, but it's your choice. And they made the decision that they would wait 10 days or as long as it took. Uh Um, So we've been working, Moms Demand Action in every town, with retailers behind the scenes. Target has been great on this in terms of not allowing open carry. So it, it did come to a head after the El Paso and Dayton shootings, um, you know, particularly in El Paso where it was in a Walmart. Right. And, you know, we had some conversations there, not our local group, but but within the organization. And Walmart came out and said, we don't want open carry in our stores. And we then turned up the screws a little bit on all of these uh, retailers. So Walgreens came out next, CVS. You know, the minute Walgreens turned... We all went out and started calling CVS, right. and they turned. And then we've seen supermarkets. I think, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not the economist here, but I think women in households account for the vast majority of spending, uh, and they're controlling the purse. And if you're going to prioritize the NRA, the gun lobby, ahead of these women, who they're going to take their business elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say there are a couple of retailers who haven't heard that message. Uh, so if in the craft space, yes, we've got Michael Stores um. and Joanne Fabrics. Um, Michael Stores, grab a pen. Uh, their number is 800-642-4235. That's 800-642-4235. Joanne Fabrics is 330-735-6576. Six five seven six. They are still allowing open carry in their stores in states that allow that. Uh, and I know a lot of us are in New York and say, "Well, it's not allowed here. Why does it matter?" Right. Why and the point is, I do care because I don't want families in across the country in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, in Virginia to have to look at some guy with an AR on his back and decide is he a good guy with a gun or a bad guy with a gun. I guess. I'll wait until he starts shooting to figure that out. Right, and then it's too late. So you just answered my last question, which oh we always want, we always, or one of my last questions is we always want, you know, to empower activists. So that was my question. Like, if I'm sitting at home and I'm listening to this, I now know I need to call Joanna Michaels, yeah. and we will have that uh, that phone number um, linked to our website with the podcast. Yeah, tell them so you will not. everybody doesn't have to yeah, remember it. Exactly. But what, I mean, what else should people be doing? I mean, Amy, you're somebody who got became active i mean what would be your advice to people if they want to do more when it comes to this issue yeah i mean look up moms demand action just go online go to their website you can type in your zip code you can sign up for a local chapter you can text um what is it text ready ready r-e-a-d-y to 64433 that'll also be on the website text ready to it's the easy and it really is everyone's texting right we all text every day multiple multiple times a day it's the easiest way to sign up and and once you're signed up with Moms Demand Action, they'll let you know about different ways that you can get involved, whether you want to help get um, gun violence prevention candidates elected to different um, offices. You can help with that. You can help with legislation. Um, you can help just by showing up to a rally, right? Mm-hmm. We just had right. a rally yep. in White Plains a few yep. weeks ago, and we had a tremendous turnout. And a lot of folks who were there said, I've never been to anything before. How do I get involved? Right. And I said, great, I'm so happy you're here. This this is how you get involved. And let me tell you, it, I, I had not ever once spoken to anybody on the phone or in person who represents me in office, right? And within a few months of the election in 2016, there I was on the phone, calling offices, 
actually meeting the people who represent me. I went to Albany. I mean, I, I never thought I would have you know, been going to Albany to speak to my representatives to, to, to demand change, demand change in our gun laws, which led to all of those laws that passed. So, um, you know, it's, it sounds a little scary for someone who hasn't done it before, but it's really easy. Just pick up the phone or text. Yeah. And I just said, you know, it can be if you have an hour a week or an hour a month, you mm -hmm. can make an impact. And if you don't ever want to call or knock on a door, if those are the things that scare you in life, you don't have to. We have our, our meetings. Typically, every uh, local group will have monthly or some or, or bi-monthly meetings. And we need people who are going to go and go help set up and, and who are going to run and grab a couple of cases of water and do the things to make it all work. So you can work behind the scenes. We have people who... They say, I'm too busy. My only free time is in the middle of the night, at, you know, midnight. Great. You can be on our data team and entering data because we're very much data driven. You can enter data at two in the morning if that's what you want to do. There's a job for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and as, uh, whether you have an hour a day or an hour a month, you can make a real impact. Yeah. And we have a very active um, chapter actually in Westchester. And we'd love to see you there. That's great. Kelly Marks joins us now. She is a college student who's originally from White Plains, New York. Kelly, thanks for speaking to us today. You have been super active on the gun violence prevention front. You organized the first March for Our Lives event here in Westchester. Tell us about how you got involved. Yeah, so after I saw the news that came out after the Parkland shooting, I was very upset to see another mass shooting occur. And I just felt the need to get involved in this movement and do something. After Sandy Hook happened, I felt something, but I was still too young to really understand what was going on. But I was a high school student when Parkland happened, and seeing this happen at another high school made me realize that this could have also been my community and that it was time for me to do something to help end gun violence. So how was the process of you getting involved? Did you just decide you saw that they were having marches and decided to, to go ahead and organize here? Or, I mean, what kind of, how did you decide to get going? So March for Our Lives pretty much went viral on the internet and basically offered for anyone who wanted to, to organize one anywhere in the U.S. and even some international ones to just create an event and roll with it. And they supported us through the whole process and encouraged us to do everything we could to, to plan the event. And so now you're in your second year of college and you have uh, you have a chapter there at school. Tell us about that. Yeah, so last year was my first year here at George Washington and a few of my friends who actually organized marches in their cities back home, we all came here super passionate and decided to start a chapter of March for Our Lives here at GW. So we started a chapter, and since then we've done so much work, even here at a school level, um, just raising awareness about gun violence. We've worked with the actual school on policies preventing gun violence, and even just being in D.C., we've been able to work with congressmen and women and just really uh, fight hard being here in D.C. So this is an issue that is easy, maybe not easy, but accessible for college students and young people to become involved in. That's basically what your message is, huh? Yes, it's definitely easy for anyone to get involved in the movement. And I think more and more people, not even just young people, are starting to get involved because it's honestly one of the most pressing issues right now in the United States. And 
I think it's not just up to the young people. I think it's really up to everyone to change what's going on in our country. Do you think that young people have more of an awareness about this than maybe older people? Or do you think they have a different perspective on it, having grown up with, say, active shooter drills and, and things of that nature in school? So I definitely think we are seeing it a lot more because it's commonly affecting younger groups more and more frequently. But I also think we realize that we're going to bring our children into this world and we don't want them to come into a world that's full of gun violence. And we also um, are really pushing now that it's not just about mass shootings, it's about the everyday shootings that don't get coverage um, and suicides and even domestic violence too. And I think it's us young ones who are really trying to bring everything to the table and not just let politicians sit and do nothing to fix the issue. So Amy, what would be your advice to um, young people out there who are in high school or even college about how they can get involved and, and you know, what, how they can help make a difference? Um, I'd say the first thing that people can do is definitely just educate themselves, make them aware of statistics and just what's going on in the country. Um, I definitely say voting if they're eligible to vote, making sure they're registered to vote and also just making sure they're educated about who they're voting for and what they stand for. And then just joining a gun violence prevention organization. There's so many different ones. There's, their team enough is a youth chapter, there's March for Our Lives, there's Mom's Demand, which even has a student's demand chapter. There's just so many different ways to get involved in the movement. So don't be intimidated and go for it, right? Yes, for sure. Well, thank you for going for it. You have made a tremendous impact on our community here in Westchester and now in D.C. at college. Thank you so much for all you're doing, Kelly. Thank you. Best of luck this year. Thank you. What's up with 2020? It's a big election year. How can we move the needle? Sure. So obviously we've been able to move the needle in the House of Representatives this year. We've got bills like the bipartisan background check bill that, that has passed the House. We've passed several bills for the first time in decades, but they're all sitting at the doorstep of the Senate. And Mitch and won't why is move them. <laughs> yeah, Moscow Mitch, right? right Mitch right, won't right. move them, and the president is not allowing him to move, or vice versa. Um, you can get into who's so chicken and egg there. Neither one of them are going to move. So we need to do, you know, we, in New York State, we flipped the state Senate and magic happened, right? right. We're going to need to do that at the federal level this year. We need, obviously, at the presidential level, the Democrats have been, like, clawing each other to be to outdo each other to be the best on this issue, Great. which is amazing. Um so we, we know electing a Democrat, no matter which Democrat, we're going to win there. And then we've got to take back the Senate. And I think there's a lot of pressure. When you look at Cory Gardner in Colorado, you look at Susan Collins in Maine, uh, Martha McSally in Arizona, John Cornyn, Texas is not what it was a few years it ago. It could be implied. El Paso and, and other, mm -hmm. Texas is going to take the heat on this. The two open seats in Georgia, uh, obviously defending Doug Jones in Alabama. We can, if we can take the Senate... We will get these bills passed, and th these bills are going to be drivers in those more in, in those states uh, at, at getting those candidates elected. And I, and I'd also add, just don't forget the state legislators, both in New York. We, we need to protect those who worked for us, mm -hmm. and then across the country, we need to flip those house, state houses. So when we redistrict, we, we've got that in our favor going forward.
Yeah, so that's why the local elections are so important, your state elections, even your county elections, right? This is an off year for a lot of folks who aren't going to their uh, voting places for the president. But you know what? You might have a mayor who's up for election or your county uh, legislator. And it's really important to go and vote so that when you want the support for this kind of legislation in your hometown, you'll have the support for it. Be a voter. All right, now we have our thumbs up, thumbs down. We're going to talk about what's good and what's bad. Let's start with the bad. What are we not psyched about? The Senate. (laughs) Yeah, you know, 95% of Americans believe there should be a background check on every single gun sale. But the Senate is still so afraid of the NRA, as, as impotent and weak as the NRA has become, they're still afraid of them that they won't allow a vote on it. So what's good? I, you know, I think the positive to me is, you know, if we watch the last debate, how much time was being spent by every single candidate talking about this issue. And, and with, you know, Beto putting out there things like mandatory gun buybacks for AR, for, for assault weapons. I don't know if that'll end up being the policy, but that it's in the conversation has moved the needle tremendously. Especially from somebody from Texas. Exactly. Amy, what about you? What do you think? What's, what's your, what are you liking? Uh, Thumbs up for me, I think, is the momentum that uh, lots of people are now engaged and want to be engaged if they're not already. And there are people showing up who have never done anything before. And like Barry said earlier, doesn't matter how like little or big you want to get involved and what you're comfortable with. There's a job for everybody, a way to get involved. Go to momsdemandaction.org if you're online. And if you're texting, you can text READY, R-E-A-D-Y, to 644 Three, three, and that's how you can get involved. This has been Indivisible Westchester, the podcast. Find us online at indivisiblewestchester.org, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Most importantly, keep resisting.